Giannis, 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome in to the Mastinol Access Podcast, not on our typical day of Wednesday, but on Thursday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining the show, watching live on YouTube or the Mastin Nationals Facebook page. Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings here in our Mastin Web Studio. Uh, be sure to subscribe and tune in because like, if for this week our day actually flips, mm-hmm. you will know that we're actually going live the day after, sometimes before the day we're usually on schedule. But thanks again for tuning in live, uh, waiting a day for us to get in a crazy schedule as we're getting ready for spring training, Amy. Um, two weeks away, how are you feeling? I'm feeling excited. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's really winding down. I went through the stage of I was like, well, I don't know if I'm ready for like the crazy schedule yet, but now I'm to the point where I'm excited. Are Pitches, you? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting there too. <laughs> I, I think I said this last week, I, I, I use the Super Bowl as like kind of like the mm-hmm. countdown. Once the Super Bowl passes, then it's like, all right, it's baseball season. Right. Um, and then you get into, like, March Madness, hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs, you know, golf really starts picking up, like, the Masters in April. So it starts to get into, like, springtime, I think, after the Super Bowl, even though we'll still be in mid-February. We can think spring thoughts, warmer thoughts, as the team reports to West Palm Beach, which is in um, about 12 days. I think uh, Valentine's Day is when they officially have their first workouts. Maybe last. Maybe they report the 13th down to West Palm. Um, But very excited for that. we got a lot to get to today. Um, Some housekeeping notes. We're going to talk a lot about the Nats bullpen this afternoon. Uh, Since since we last talked, they have made two more minor league signings. um, Relief pitchers. Um, also, maybe a guy that could possibly play both roles as also a starter. He's been having a lot of starts in his career. So we'll get to those two guys later on in the show. But, Amy, uh, we actually have some housekeeping, a lot of housekeeping notes to get to. I want to talk about Joe Ross, who officially left the Nationals organization earlier this week, signed a minor league deal with the Giants. Uh, he returns to his hometown of native Northern California. I, he's technically from Oakland, so not San Francisco, but um, a guy coming off his second Tommy John surgery, hadn't pitched in a major league game since uh, 2021. A tough way to see Joe Ross go, one of those last guys that uh, from that 2019 World Series team. Yeah, I mean, he came over in that three-team trade, and he, you were excited because at that time he was a top pitching prospect. And, you know, through his first few seasons with the Nationals, you were still excited. He had decent performances um, in his early years with the Nationals, and then his first Tommy John surgery in 2019, he was kind of up, down, and all around. Um, and then, of course, his second Tommy John surgery, which seemed like it was kind of delayed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they waited. They thought he could rehab it. Then he ended up having having a second Tommy John surgery and obviously, you know, never the same sense won't be back until probably middle of 2023. So kind of just uh, a bigger name that never really panned out for the nationals. A former first round pick 25th overall by the Padres out of high school in 2011, 2014 in December, he was traded to the nationals as part of that three team trade you alluded to between the Padres and the Rays. The Rays sent Will Myers to the Padres. The Padres sent three players back to the Rays. The nationals sent Steven, Steven Souza jr. Of course, remembered for that no uh, hitter catch to seal uh, Jordan Zimmerman's first no hitter back in 2014 to the Rays and the Padres sent Joe Ross and eventually Trey Turner. Uh, not until the following June because he was just drafted that year to the Nationals. After eight years with the Nats, Joe Ross finished 26 and 28 with a 4.26 ERA, 13.31 WHIP in 98 games, 76 starts. After his first two seasons, he looked like he was going to be a solid member of this rotation, middle of the pack, maybe at the back end of the rotation. Remember, he was always grouped with with Eric Fay 
Eddie and Austin Vote. Mm-hmm. Those guys were seemed like for like three or four spring trainings in a row, they were competing for that fifth starter spot. Um, but after his um, first two seasons, he had a 352 ERA, respectable 1221 whip, uh, over 181 innings. Uh, but then that first time, John surgery struck. After that, after that rehab, you know, he came back into a kind of uncertainty. Was he going to be a reliever? Right. Was that's also the years that the Nationals had their AAA affiliate out in Fresno? So he was going back and forth between Fresno and Washington, bullpen rotation. Um, he ended up getting bumped from that 2019 bullpen for Jeremy Hellickson, who finished two and three with a 6.23 ERA and 17.18 WHIP in 2019. So you wonder if the Nationals maybe had stuck with Joe Ross in that rotation. He would have worked out better. Yeah, I think 2019 kind of hurt his growth a little mm-hmm. bit because it's not easy to, you know, go back and forth between the bullpen and the rotation. And it's not easy to go back and forth between AAA and the big league team, especially when AAA, your team is across the country. Right. <laughs> um, he is from out there, so that probably helps a little bit. But, you know, it's not easy to go back and forth. So I think that probably hurt him a little bit. And then, of course, I think what everybody will remember is when he got called upon in Game 5 of the World Series when Max Scherzer's start got scratched. And, he, I mean, he kept him in the game. It yep. was a respectable performance in game five but I think that's probably what when you remember Joe Ross time with the Nationals that's what you're going to think of yeah I always remember the standing ovation that he got mm-hmm. when he departed that game yep. from you know obviously a packed Nationals park it's game five of the World Series at that point the, se- the Astros had just tied up the series 2-2 you figure you have Max Scherzer going to the mound in front of a home crowd we found out earlier that day that he's not going to be able to go his neck is super stiff he was a miracle he even pitched in game seven yep um, and so David gives Joe Ross the call early that morning, but hey, you gotta be ready just in case. And of course, he makes a start. Like you said, very admirable. Kept him in the game. Nationals, of course, end up losing that game, but winning the series. But yeah, I always remember that game five, the crowd saluting him, his teammates saluting him, giving him everything he can on short notice. Um, but then he opted to sit out 2020 during the COVID situations. Remember, both of his parents work in the medical field. His dad's a doctor. His mom is a nurse. So him and his brother Tyson, also a major league pitcher, decided to sit out that year. Came back 2021. Like then, Tom John, you also talked about, you know, I think they tried to wait. He wanted to wait it out, see if he could just rest it and be better. But then he needed Tom and John surgery again, and that effectively ended his Nats career. Right. I mean, which you have to get. I mean, you don't want to have Tommy John for the second time. But I think if he, they, he, they would have, you know, had just it on the it. issue first, you're, you know, we're months and months ahead of where we are now. Um, but he's only 30. This will only be his 30-year-old 30 season. So there's still time for Joe Ross if he wants to, you know, bounce back and salvage his career. Joe Ross, whenever he was like, especially early on, whenever he was on, he was really good. He, he had some really great stuff. I think when Max Scherzer came over and Steven Strasburg was healthy, he learned a lot from both of those guys in terms of how to pitch as a starter. Um, so we're wishing the best of luck to Joe Ross as he moves on with his career back to near his hometown uh, where he grew up with the Giants on a minor league deal. Uh, who knows, perhaps we'll see him on the mound facing the Nationals um, in the near future. Um, other notes that we wanted to talk about, um, some more prospect rankings came out since we last talked. MLB Pipeline dropped their top 100 prospects. Four more Nationals make the list. It's uh, the usual suspects. James Wood comes at 17. Robert Hassel the third comes at 35. Elijah Green at 46. Kate Cavalli at 58. This is one of the um, rankings that like the Nationals prospects the most. I know Joe James Wood was ranked higher in Baseball America's overall, but some of those other guys fell off a little lower. So these guys all cracked the top 60 in MLB Pipeline's top 100. And James Wood is named the number five overall outfielder, and Robert Hassel III is number nine overall. Outfielder. It's interesting to see the difference, and we're going to talk about this when we have all the rankings out, but how these different outlets rank 
there's, I mean, it's a different process for each of them. What they value and don't value is different, but it's so interesting to see where these guys rank, like James Wood and baseball prospectus rankings, number three, the right. number three overall prospect. Um, but good to see all of those guys, you know, how much these prospect rankings really matter when it comes down to it. Eh, you know, yeah. it, it just depends on who you ask. Uh, but still good to see as the Nationals are rebuilding and there's more focus on their their farm system to see these guys in the top 100 on, you know, consecutive lists. Should also note on the MLB Pipeline's list of top 10 outfielding prospects overall, James, uh, sorry, Robert Hassel III was also listed as the one with the most to prove this year. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, coming off um, some injuries last year, injury in the Arizona Fall League, struggles at AA, struggles at high a uh, with Bloomington mm -hmm. um, you know one of the top prospects in that trade for Juan Soto a lot's riding on his shoulders can he bounce back and rise up through double a maybe even triple a maybe even the majors unlikely but still a possibility later on this year and Elijah Green was one to keep an eye on uh, one of the high higher ceilings guy from last year's draft of course Nationals get him at number five overall um, plus speed plus range plus arm plus power uh, can get make enough contact this year to rise to the ranks. Of course, we didn't see him at Fredericksburg last year. He only played at the Complex League. I think it was 12 games. But you'll see how, it'll be interesting to see how fast he rises through these rankings this year, his first full year of actual minor league ball. And like Amy said, we will talk a more about these prospects once they have. I think we're waiting for MLB Pipeline's top 30 for each team. Um, you know, we'll see how they switch that up. Sounds like James Wood is the consensus number one overall prospect for the Nationals. Be interesting to talk about that. But once we have all those rankings, we'll be doing a podcast, breaking all that down, hopefully before spring training starts. Um, and then a couple other notes. The Nationals also announced um, a new player development staff. Remember last year was the first year that uh, the Nationals made a strong commitment to revamping their entire front office, their entire player development staff after committing to this rebuild. And they've added a bunch of different uh, roles. This year, they add some more roles. Uh, there's a player development coach at each of the minor league um, uh, affiliates. There's an analyst that, you know, breaking down all of these uh, data that we get from the, uh, the Hawkeye uh, technology that's enlisted at every ballpark throughout the minor leagues and the major leagues. So I, another offseason, another expansion of this minor league staff for the Nationals, which, of course is going to be vital in the development of all those prospects we just mentioned. Right, exactly. If you're going to have, you know, big names, highly ranked in, in prospect lists, then you have to have the staff to go along with it to develop those guys because where they're ranked now means nothing if they can't ever make it to the majors and have good careers and long-lasting careers in the majors. And a lot of that comes down to these, you know, roles in technology or roles in analytics. We know that the Nationals have been behind in, in analytics and technology, but having that, that Hawkeye at all of the affiliates this year I think is going to be a big help and then adding these roles is really important to kind of catch up to the rest of the league and you know catch up with the development of their own players and it's their own players yes but it's also remember this there's gonna be a new wave of young players coming in this year right they we talked about the international signing period class that they just signed last month um you know they got three of the top 50 guys coming in there are ways away but there's still a lot of um development to be had at the Dominican Summer League uh, of course, they have the number two overall pick in the draft in July. Of course, another trade deadline coming. So more prospects are going to be, and top prospects, right? Like three of the top 50 from the international class, a number two overall pick are going to be in, inserted into this farm system. And then these people are going to be in charge of developing them as well. Right. And, you know, you go back to Joe Ross, you know, a player that they weren't really able to develop. Um, you know, that came down to injuries as well, but I'm sure there's some 
you know, contribution with player development to that. So it's good to see these come at an important time, these additions to the player development stuff. And, such, and not just the top guys that we always talk about, not just Wood, Hassel, Green, Vaccaro, uh, you know, Cavalli, for us, he's going to be in the major league staff now, but you know, it's all those guys, you know, outside the top 10, all those guys who aren't ranked either find a uh, Mitchell Parker, you know, someone who can they're further, further yeah. along, but they're also need to be, maybe yep. you find a diamond in the rough, yep. some guy who is undervalued uh, by other teams or, you know, you drafted in the later round or picked up uh, as uh, you know, through a trade or whatever, and you develop up into a, a, a contributor at the major league level that these people are going to be charged of that as well. Not just the top guys. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, getting, getting the data from other teams when it, you're mm-hmm. come, you're going to be making hopefully more trades, get more prospects back. So, you know, that's, that's an important part of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, real quickly. Also game times were released for this upcoming season. If that matters to you, kind of matters to me because I really wish the nationals would go back to one o'clock starts on Sundays. 135 starts again. Um, That half hour makes a huge difference for us ball writers because that's a half hour that we could be getting at home and having a nice Sunday (laughs) night dinner or having to travel the following morning. So, uh, but 135 starts, a lot of 405 starts at home on Saturdays, a couple 105 starts, and I think only one 705 start. That might be a national broadcast. Um, And then there were a couple exceptions for Sunday. Um, A noon start in July. Against the Rangers, I think right the the uh, the Sunday right before the All Star break. That's game's gonna be nationally broadcast on Peacock, so it's a noon start. And then of course the Little League Classic on August twentieth uh, will be a national broadcast game against the Phillies from Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Speaking of which, <laughs> I just added this to our rundown at the very last second before we went on air because I saw this on MLB.com. There, and I'm not calling out another outlet. I don't mean to like poke fun, but. I do find it interesting that they their front page story this morning was <laughs> one series, keyword there, series for each team to look forward to in the 2023 season, like uh, an in, important series for each team. The Nationals was a single game, the Little League Classic on August 20th because they play the Phillies and it's going to be in Williamsport. Every other team got a full series. The Nationals get one game. I, th- I know the Nationals aren't going to be great this year. I think it's a little unfair to not count a full series. Why not just include that whole series against the Phillies? Right, because Bobby scrolled down to some other teams that aren't going to be so great this year. They all had a full series. And they all still had a full series. Now, the Little League Classic is cool. Cool that the Nationals are participating in it. But one game, man. Just one game. Everyone else got a full (laughs) series. I think that's just an unnecessary dig or just like lack of trying. Which is like, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, it's going to be the Phillies. You know, the Phillies are going to be great this year, of course. Like, I would have highlighted the first time the Nash, the Phillies come to D.C. Right. because that's Trey Turner's return as a Philly. Of course, all those former Nationals with the Phillies. Um, you know, look at the Guardians are coming to D.C. for the first time as the Guardians. I mean, I don't know. I'm just picking nits, I know. But there are plenty. The, the Padres coming back. I mean, every time Juan Soto comes back to the Nats Park is going to be a storyline. Interesting uh, choice. Yeah. I, just, I mean, very I just don't think it's choice. fair. You give 29 series to other teams, but... You can't pick one for the Nationals? I, I don't know. I think it's yeah. just up there. The, the Nationals go back to Houston for the first and time what, since it, the 2019 what World was Series. It, series to watch? Um, the title what is was? One Series to Circle on Each Team's Schedule. And then the front page headline like, is know. Here is Every Team's Most Compelling Series. Keyword series. Like the teams are, you know, the Yankees are going to the Dodgers for and the first time in a while. Like I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call that game particularly compelling. Yeah. That's I mean, great point. That defeats the purpose of the definition right. of compelling. Like I, the most compelling one cool, is probably <laughs> Trey Turner's first return as a Philly to yeah. Nats Park. Juan Soto returning to Nats Park. The Nationals going to the Houston for the first time since the 2019 World Series. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I and just. I just saw that the last second. Fans I was don't cool. can't go to that, right? The little league. Classic. Um, they invite just like families a, or something. Yeah, I, yeah, because the stadium is so small. Right. Like, oh well, like it's a major league ballpark, but like the stands are. So it's like, why are fans like I think media is limited too. Like I yeah. think only out, outlets only get like one media person per and i think like the orioles were in it last year and you know for us at mass and i think we were only set, able to send one writer you know we couldn't send our digital side either because i think i think espn broadcasts it yeah because yeah, they have it the little not, yeah. Like, yeah so like espn it kind of holds all the media right so yeah it, it is not like you know fans can make a trip to try to go to the little, little league world series and then go see i also think it's more for the little league players themselves it is. That's what, they yeah, get to they go watch do those, you know fun stuff with the yeah. players and get to get autographs and stuff right like that. so hopefully like a team from dc maryland or virginia get to go far and to like go to and see the that'd Nets. be cool yeah. i'm sure they'll try to pick like a local team to, to go and watch the game but anyways that was just kind of my little rant to start this episode because uh i, I saw that real quick while i was trying to look up some stats and i saw hey what's the nats most interesting or compelling uh series this year and it was a single yeah. game so i don't think that's fair um okay let's get into uh the nationals bullpen what we wanted to talk about from the get-go um we mentioned i mentioned at the top of the show the nationals made two signings main minor league deals uh since we last spoke of course We've always talked about this offseason, how the bullpen was the national strongest part of their roster last year, returning a lot of, if not everyone, from last year's bullpen. Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan, Rasmo Ramirez was one of their big, quote-unquote, free agent signings. This um, technically was a free agent signing. Um, if you're watching us live on YouTube or on Facebook right now, here's the returning guys in relief. Keep in mind that Tanner Rainey's coming back from his own Tommy John surgery, but of course... We got those 12 saves and a 330 ERA, high strikeout rates as well. But Hunter Harvey, too, showed that he could pitch really well in relief. So the back end of the bullpen is going to be strong. Uh, you also have Sean Doolittle coming back on a minor league deal. He's expected to make the roster if if he's healthy and pitching well in spring training. But the Nationals go ahead and sign Alex Colome and uh, Willie Peralta, both right-handers, both veterans. Guys are in their mid-30s right now. Um, a lot of experience. Amy, do you see any room for either of these guys, even though both of them have pretty good track records and the Nationals are in this period of trying to, you know, develop and, and bring up younger talent. Right. I mean, right now, you we talked about it last week when we, or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever, when we said whether each position was going to be better, the same, or worse. Sure. And I said that I thought the bullpen was going to be worse just because they didn't make any additions to their bullpen and everybody performed particularly well, especially given, you know, their background last year. Uh, so it's kind of unrealistic so, to expect them to, you know, return and have the same performance or even better. So I think there is room for these additions, you know, depending on, I think Peralta is going to come down to what they view him as a reliever, or if he can give them some rotation depth. Um, if any of these pitchers, starting pitchers get hurt, there's really nobody there unless you're going to be willing to put Paulo Espino into the rotation or Corey Abbott for the into the rotation temporarily. So if he can give you some rotation depth, that's a little bit different. Halome, he's going to have to be back to his 2019, even 2020 season self because he has struggled mightily the last mm -hmm. two years. Yeah, sure. He is a former all-star um, 
He has led the league in cl- uh, saves, excuse me, um, back with when he was with, uh, I believe, the Rays. Uh, former All-Star in, 2020, in 2016, sorry, with a 191 ERA, 1024 whip and 37 stays. And then the following season, he led the majors with 40, 47 saves. Over his 10-year career, he's actually got an even 500 record. Um, and then a 334 ERA, 1248 whip, 159 saves. An eight strikeout per nine rate. A 2.57 strikeout to walk rate and an under one home run per nine rate. So he doesn't give up the long ball a lot, which is good. Um, but yeah, right. The last two seasons haven't been very good. His last really good year was 2020 with the Reds, oh, excuse me, the White Sox. Uh, 0.81 ERA, 0.940 whip, no home runs allowed. I know shortened season, but he was on pace for 36 saves if he had stayed, if it was a regular 162 season, which would have been um, his fourth time recording 30 saves or more right only two earned runs in that shortened season shortened season but still you know pretty impressive and then you back to 2019 he was somebody that the nationals were interested in at the trade deadline they went out and wanted to get some bullpen help and he was in the talks that he could be to the nationals Mm -hmm. um and then you were kind of okay with the fact that they didn't get him in the last two seasons, a 1681 whip uh, last year with an ERA over five, his lowest strikeout rate since he became a reliever full time. So mm-hmm. it is a case of another guy you're hoping can have a bounce back year, a minor league deal. So he doesn't have to fit into this bullpen. He just has the chance to, um, but where does he fit in and who kind of gets the boot, I think is going to end up being the question if he earns a spot. Yeah. What I also like about Colome right now, um, looking through his numbers, he's pitched 61 innings or more five times in his career. Um, inclu- that includes 2015 when he also recorded 13 starts. And then he, in his all-star year, his lone all-star year, 56 and two-thirds innings. So he can eat innings. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about uh, Kyle Finnegan two years ago, who, uh, the different pitchers, of course, but like, you know, he struggled when he got the innings count up high. Um, and then last year he improved mightily, and we we're like, okay, if if you know you can get sixty innings from Kyle Finnegan here, you'll take that. Look at Erasmo Ramirez; he did the same thing, um, one of the most innings uh, from any reliever all last year, and it was pretty effective. So he can eat innings, doesn't get the long ball, um, which of course the Nationals pitching staff could use. You mentioned how bad he was the past two years. I know we don't make a lot about pitching pitchers' records, but he was six and eleven combined over the last two years. And when a reliever, typically a guy who is a primarily uses a closer, has eleven losses, that to me shows that he's he's blowing leads right. or, or blowing ties at least, because mm-hmm. um, then you're become the the pitcher of record right. and, and you lost the game. Um, so that's not great. But he has a long track record, and I think when you talk about this bullpen, you're right. You know, I think it's. I agree with you in the slide that it's a little un, unrealistic to expect them to perform this well. I still expect him to be a strong point in this roster, but I also expected Mike Rizzo to do Mike Rizzo things, and that is bringing in competition, bringing in guys on minor league deals and giving him a chance to make this roster. Because if he pitches well, then that gives that allows Mason Thompson to go back to you know AAA and start the season there and build up his arm. That allows Jordan Weems to do the same thing. Corey Abbott to do the same thing. Um, guys that you don't you might not necessarily want or need on the major league roster at the start of the season get their feet wet at AAA, kind of get into a groove, and then be called upon when needed. Right, and there's nothing wrong with starting the season with a veteran in your bullpen and then eventually giving those guys, Mason Thompson, um, Jordan Weems, uh, Victor Rano, all have options left. So that kind of gives them – 
Davey Martinez, Mike Rizzo, a little wiggle room in the bullpen if they do want to start, you know, a, a veteran on in the bullpen and then move some of those younger guys up. And I kind of went back. I thought maybe, you know, he did pitch at Coors Field this year. Maybe, you know, there was something to that. But his splits at home and away were pretty, pretty home. identical. So I don't think that that you can blame much on that and didn't give up the long ball so i think there's something to be said about that yeah keeping the ball in the park there is is important and Mm -hmm. like i said just mentioned like that's gonna be important for the nationals this year i don't i think the biggest culprits of that last year were definitely the starters and some of the younger guys of the bullpen i believe and i don't think tanner gave up that many home runs give a lot of hits i don't give up too many home runs um but yeah anyone anytime a pitcher keeps the ball in the park for this roster it's going to be a good sign moving forward also, with this vet, I mean, you know, veteran relievers with save experience are hot commodities at the trade line all the time. I mean, go back to 2019. Daniel Hudson, you could say Daniel Hudson was kind of in the same boat. He didn't have as much experience as a closer as Colome does, but, you know, you play, uh, teams take chances on veteran relievers all the time. That's elite. You take a shot. Maybe you get a prospect back. Especially when you're starting the season without. Tanner Rainey, right? You know, yeah. I think that that kind of goes into right. and then gives may, him a case. To maybe you right, and then maybe it comes to a point in July where, all right, Tanner Rainey is working on his rehab, making rehab start or appearances, whatever. Let's, I mean, this is of course assuming that Colome one makes a team, two stays healthy, three pitches well. Um, let's you know flip Colome, and then Tanner Rainey just slides into his spot in the back end of the bullpen, and you know either is a setup man for whoever takes over closing duty or is a closer, yada yada yada. So yeah, I think that could work out pretty nicely for the Nationals. Um, getting a veteran guy with closing experience, with a good track record of keeping the ball in the yard, and a low ERA and a low WHIP, um, and see if he can you know maybe just recapture that magic right you're not going to get 2016 all-star performance you're not going to get when he led the majors with 47 saves in 2017 you're probably not even going to get the shortened season 2020 performance but if he can kind of meet you in the middle i think you'll be happy right yeah I, i mean like yeah especially if he gives you an option to close out games because there's really nobody in your bullpen right now that you feel comfortable with. I think, you know, sending out there is your closer. Sure, sure. I'm trying to look at a bit of his 20. Yeah. Okay. So his 2020 numbers were actually kind of ridiculous. An yeah. ERA under one, a whip <laughs> under a thousand. No, like, so like that's unrealistic, but like I'm, I'm looking at it more like that could be like the time frame for like leading up to the trade deadline, right? Like a six, a six game, mm-hmm season right before the trade deadline and he makes 30 ish appearances um and then you're looking at maybe an year right below three uh, a high strikeout rate he doesn't really strike out too many guys but a low home run rate um and you know doesn't have too many innings on him so he can be counted on moving forward uh peralta willie peralta he's a little bit of a different story same age same kind of same amount of experience but he has spent a lot of times as a starter as well um he's actually almost it's close to split. I think it's like 55-45 starter to reliever in his career. Started off as a starter, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> in his career. Um, and he actually won 17 games back in 2017 with the Brewers and respectable 353 ERA and 32 starts. Uh, but over the past couple of seasons, he's kind of tailed off. And as a reliever, he, he struggled a little bit. But he's been used most mostly as a reliever over the past couple of years with the Tigers. Um, you know, again, another veteran Depth piece, swingman piece. The Nationals have a lot of those guys when you think about Espino um, and maybe even Corey Abbott right now. But, you know, again, just doesn't hurt to bring him in on a minor league deal, see if he can help you either in the rotation 
or is as a relief uh, arm. Yeah, I think his potential to make this roster is going to come down to what they view him as a, a starter or a reliever. He pitched um, as a complete reliever for the Tigers last year, but has pitched out of the bullpen for the last five seasons, um, but was a starter for the first half of his career. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they view him where he pitches in spring training, is he willing to start the year in AAA and, you know, can can eventually get moved up as a starter? That'll be interesting to see. His biggest issue last year was his walks. He walked 24 batters and, and 13, 38 and a third innings. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to get that down significantly, especially if he does end up making this bullpen. But he had a good ERA, 258 yep. ERA last year. The whip was really high because of the walks you mentioned and a high hit rate eight hits per nine innings that he gave up as a reliever and only 38.1 innings. So 28 start appearances in one start. So that's, you know, that's not great. That's a high whip, but a low ERA. So, you know, it's, there might be like one of those, all right, this is going to, we're living on the brink with him every time he comes out um, and see if he can kind of hold the traffic on the base paths. Um, that might be not that much fun to go through. Right. It could be very stressful, but um, you know, the Nationals value these guys that can do a little bit of both. You know, you mentioned, Last week when we were talking about better, worse, or the same, that you don't expect Trevor Williams to finish out the season in the rotation. I mean, this could be a guy that could fill that spot in the rotation. Right. Not necessarily an emergency start guy. Well, he could do that too, probably. But like, I'm more so like, all right, we need like someone. Someone's down. Someone's not pitching well. We need like three or four starts from you in a row. Like, just join the rotation for a month or so. Like. He could probably fill that role. He does have a little bit of success as a starter, but again, he hasn't done that in a while and consistently. Th- right, and those are guys you're going to need because, I mean, Patrick Corbin's going to start the whole year. Mm-hmm. Josiah Gray is going to pitch the whole year. But outside of that, nobody's really locks. I mean, you just don't know what Kate Cavalli's sure. going to do. You just don't know what um, Mackenzie Gore is going to do. So you don't know what Trevor Williams is going to do. Um, so you kind of need guys like that to – to step up just in case or injuries because they're going to happen. I mean, eventually you're going to need other guys to start. And right now the only other option do you really have are Corey Abbott and, and Paulo Espino. Yeah. I, I, these, both of these guys to me seem like, um, stash like in camp, assuming that they stay healthy and then like just kind of wait and see who get, who stays healthy, who maybe unfortunately has an injury, maybe who isn't performing well, and then you kind of figure out. Because it's going to happen, right? I mean, it happens to every single team, every single spring training. There's injuries pop up. Someone's arm isn't fully ramped up. Someone has to take a break for a while. Um, and then this, where these guys, these minor league guys slide in um, and take over uh, some of those appearances. Right. Because, I mean, right now I think your your locks in your bullpen are Kyle Finnegan, Carl Edwards Jr., Hunter Harvey, Erasmo Ramirez, of course. Thad Ward is kind of a question mark. Um, you know, I don't know how much – how long of a leash they'll give him, you know, given that they don't typically – take anybody in the Rule 5 draft, let alone have to keep somebody on their roster in the Rule 5 draft. But given that he was the first overall pick, I think he has a pretty good chance of being a lock um, in this bullpen. And then Corey Abbott and Paulo Espino, same kind of type. And then you have wiggle room with Thompson, Arano, and Weems. Yeah, um, yeah, Arano. I remember Andres Machado is down at AAA as well yep. for uh, for backup, for depth. Um, I think you'll see Weems and Thompson start the season out of AAA. Um, and... So then, with that ward, I expect him to make the team. And I mean, unless it's just a disaster, I don't Mm -hmm. think so. Because again, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't think you. 
I'm, I'm giving the Nationals the benefit of the doubt that they've done their homework on him. I don't think you take him with the number one overall pick in the Rule 5 draft, knowing that he has to stay on your roster for the whole season to keep him without knowing that he can make the team. Right. Right? Like, that's – I mean, you're – we, we talked about this when they drafted him. Interesting selection, adding basically a relief. Now, he could make starts, too. You've mentioned before, but basically drafting a reliever, adding to your strength where it was already crowded to begin with. Right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I, I think it's more so, I don't think that that word isn't going to be good enough to make the team. I think what's his role going to be? Because we're not talking about a position battle at any right. other position right now. Right. No other position has this much depth mm-hmm. right now. So it is interesting that that was their selection, which is their one position or their bullpen's the one place where they do have depth. Right. And, you know, this is probably part of my because when they drafted him, you know, they hadn't signed Corey Dickerson yet. So we we're thinking, okay, maybe a corner outfielder. They, I think their only signing was Jamie Candelario um, and Trevor Williams. So they hadn't gotten Dominic Smith yet. So maybe they could look for a power bat in the infield or a guy that play third base and push Candelario. To st- so like it was interesting that they took a reliever and that helps make this credible because again, he can't be sent down without being offered back to the Red Sox. And so that's why I think he makes the team. And, and that's I, a spot that it's not waste, but like it's, you know, it's just a tough situation. Right. And then you do go back to, I mean, not every single one of these guys is going to perform as well as they sure. did last year. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I keep bringing this up, but, like, it is true. Like, injuries are going to happen. Like, I'm, like, trying to, like, it's impossible to predict, right? But I'm, like, in my mind thinking of, like, who is going to get hurt? <laughs> <laughs> um, the Nationals don't have a great track record of keeping guys healthy. Everyone has to deal with injuries, so it's not just them, right? But, like, someone is going to get – someone's going to need uh, to skip a bullpen, right? And and the first time it happens, right, we're going to start panicking. And we're going to say, well, this is why they brought in mm-hmm. Colome and Peralta. Like, this is why they have backups. So once games start, they have guys to fill innings. You know, and, there, of course, there's going to be the guys that are at AAA are going to be able to pitch in camp and in spring training games. But eventually, when rosters get cut down, first round of cuts come, some guys are going to be moved out, and these guys competing for actual spots – are going to be taking up most of the innings. Now, you mentioned, like, the five guys that are sure things. Um, you know, Tanner Rain's not going to be pitching. Doolittle's going to be pitching. I- I'm counting Sean as a sure thing. Yeah. Because the sense I got is that as long as he's healthy, he's making the team. Sean Doolittle said, you know, I'm I'm not limited at all. I'm a full go for spring training. The Nationals history with Sean Doolittle, of course, his return. But it's just that injury history when yeah. it comes to Sean Doolittle that is the big question mark. I don't think you hand out a, it seemed like a, I know it's technically a minor league deal, but to me it seemed like a, like a handshake deal almost as being like, Hey, as long as you're healthy, you're, you're on mm-hmm. the team. Um, because I don't think you hand out, what was it? 1.5 or maybe even $2 million with incentives. 1.5, yeah. Yeah. To, to a reliever who is coming off six appearances last year in May and April or April. Um, so it was like, Yes, they have a great relationship. Yes, Sean Doolittle is calling DC home now, and you know he'll be in Nationals lore forever. But I just think that that's he's. I'm counting him as a lock for this bullpen out of camp as long as he proves that he can. He's healthy. Yeah. So that's one more. That's one less spot for one of these two guys right. to make. I mean, I think Doolittle will have the upper hand over Colome. So it's like Colome would have to either outperform him or not wish for, but like have to wait until see if someone goes down to fill a spot. Just hopefully it doesn't get to the point where, you know, you're keeping Sean Doolittle and giving him a spot that maybe he's not performing well enough to That's earn. true. Yeah, I mean, like, if he's healthy, but, like, he's just giving up 
yeah. softballs and, and home runs every time he goes out, sure, you probably can't keep that around. But we are talking about the opening day bullpen, right. not, you know. Right, the, the bullpen the in season, we August. Know how much it, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Or June. It fluctuates. Even. Yeah, definitely. And we saw last year, like, lots of injuries. Rainey Doolittle among them. They need a depth. You know, guys like Thompson and, and Jordan Weems got a lot of experience because of that. Um, and you bring in these veteran guys to maybe bridge that gap just in case. So I, th- I like these signings. I like minor league deals like this. Guys with proven experience. Guys who could be trade pieces. We talk about this all the time. It's offseason. We'll continue talking about throughout spring training and the season. But like a team like the Nationals, where they are right now, these guys have value. Um, and they can help fill some holes or they can help bring in other prospects at the trade deadline. Um, do you think you'll see Peralta more as a starter or as a reliever? He's done both. He's been a reliever most mostly over the past couple of seasons. Better success as a starter years ago. Where do you see him falling in more? I mean, I think if he s- will start the year at AAA, I think you're going to see him as a starter. Except assignment to, mm-hmm. to Rochester. I think you're going to see him as a starter. Yeah, I think Rochester is going to need some starter depth because, of course, Gore and Cavalli are going to be in Washington. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he'll he'll have to accept, accept that assignment, assignment, right? Assignment to AAA. Right? He, I mean, he's a veteran guy. Is that something that he wants to do if he could be pitching out of a bullpen for a major league team, you know? But if he could be, why didn't he sign a <laughs> right. major league deal? True. Yeah. So <laughs> So I think if he's w- willing to, to, to accept that assignment, I think you're going to see him starting in AAA and then, you know, p- provide at least a little bit of depth for this rotation because right now there's none. Carl Edward Jr. did the same thing. I'm not starting, but like he did the same thing last year, started a minor league deal, started yep. AAA, and then he was one of the Nationals' best relievers by season end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and probably should have gotten flipped. We talked about that too. So, yeah. Um, solid moves this offseason. Again, two weeks from camp. You're, you're going to see probably a handful of these. So, some teams have already started announcing their non-roster invitees. They can always add more, but I haven't seen the official list from the Nationals mm-hmm. just yet. But, you know, we'll probably get that within in a week or so because, again, pitchers and catchers report in like 12 days. Right. West Palm, like the day after the Super Bowl, I think they're supposed to be down there. Um, and start workouts on Valentine's Day. Here we go. Here we go. Loving baseball. What could be better? Yeah. Someone on, uh, I believe it was, um, yeah, on YouTube, uh, Quaker Wildcat. Baseball this month, heart. Yes. Oh, yes. Big deal. Baseball is this month. Um, and we'll have a lot more to talk it's about. February. Oh, my yeah. gosh. February 2nd. Happy new month. Yeah. Um, Groundhog right. Day. What is that? Hump Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. Day. Did he see it? Um, there's six more weeks of winter. So, what's that mean? I think he it means he did it. not see it. Oh, didn't see oh, it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> wow, we should know this. <laughs> this was a big deal in like elementary Grade school? school. It was like Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. Um, well, either way. <laughs> any- we should have made our predictions. <laughs> he, sees his, he sees his shadow. So that means? I think that means he goes back. How do we know a Groundhog sees his shadow? Why are we ending this podcast like this? Yeah. <laughs> How do we know that it's like, it does, does it like it. jump? Or I guess it's if the sun's out. Is, does he have a shadow? I mean, everyone has a shadow. But like, how not do we know the that the groundhog recognizes that that's his shadow? If the sun's not out, you don't have a shadow. Okay, then why do we have this whole like thing? It's just, why don't you say, all right, the sun's not out six more weeks. I thought winter. he died. Didn't he die? Oh, <laughs> poor groundhog. <laughs> I guess not. Was it Paul Tuckett? Pumps. Phil. Hey, Phil. Spring is arriving early in some places. Okay, that this is ridiculous. I don't know. Yeah, I don't guess. We should have studied up on this. I celebrate pitchers and catchers reporting in February, not Groundhog Day. Um, All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sorry it was a day late. Hopefully you're checking us out after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud, Stitcher as well. 
or you're subscribed and hitting notifications on YouTube and Facebook. Thanks so much to Brendan Mortensen for producing the show behind the scenes. At Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. At Mass and Nationals across the board on social media. Be sure to give them a follow as we ramp up closer to the start of spring training and the start of the baseball season. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. 